Do you like going to sporting events, concert, Broadway plays, comedy shows, or music festivals? If so, you may need tickets. If you do, head on over to SeatGeek. SeatGeek has reasonable and affordable prices for all kinds of budgets, especially when you use code HTS for $20 off your first purchase. You can filter seats by price, best seats, and deal score. If you don't know what deal score is, deal score takes the true value of the seat against the price of the seat to give a 0 out of 10 rating, with 10 being the best. In order to get you the best deal possible, SeatGeek gives you that feedback. Once again, use code HTS for $20 off your very first purchase. Go out and have a fun time with some friends, family, significant other, whoever. Just go out, have a great time, support the pod. Hey everyone, this is Clayton Scalina of the Hot Take Sports Podcast, and I'd just like to give a quick shout out to one of our partners here on the podcast, Drew Seifert of Drew Seifert Racing. Drew races a 305 Sprint car here in Northwest Ohio. He competes at Attica Raceway Park in Attica, Ohio on Friday nights and at Fremont Speedway in Fremont, Ohio on Saturday nights. If you're in the area and make it out to the races, make sure to look out for the red, white, and black 13S race car and the HDS logo on it. We're very excited to partner with Drew and wish him the best of luck the rest of this racing season. Once again, make sure to look out for car number 13S, and without further ado, let's dive into the episode. This is Combat Talk, presented by Hot Take Sports. Alrighty, welcome to episode one of Combat Talk, presented by Hot Take Sports. My name is Clayton Scalina, and I will be the host of this new mini-series that we've launched. This is something that I've wanted to do for the last couple months now, and I'm very excited that it's finally all come together. Um, this is the first little mini-series through Hot Take Sports that we are putting together. Um, expect a couple of more on the way. Don't want to spoil too much on that, but Combat Talk will be the first one. So... To, for those of you who aren't super familiar with Hot Take Sports, we are a small sports podcast founded in Finley, Ohio. There are currently five members of us. We all went to high school together. And since October of 2020, we have put out over 50 episodes covering a wide variety of sports-related topics, including football, uh, college basketball, and of course, combat sports. This is something I started up to talk a little bit more in depth about combat sports. And yeah, let's get started. I wanted to kind of touch on how I got into this first. So during COVID, there were no sports on, right? Obviously, the MLB canceled spring training. The NBA suspended their season. The NHL suspended their season. All that good stuff. We all remember that. That happened in March of 2020. Well, in May of 2020, Dana White got UFC shows to keep going. So that was literally the only sport on. So that's kind of how my MMA fandom got started. And it was the same thing with boxing. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, they had a bubble in one of the casinos in Las Vegas. It was one of the only things on. So that's, I started watching it, got hooked, and really haven't looked back. So to start this episode, we're going to recap UFC 279, which happened on September 10th. Uh, We'll look at the fights and just kind of the craziness that happened before that too. Yeah, let's just dive right into it. So that Thursday night, I got a notification on my phone and the UFC had canceled their press conference for that night. I was really confused, didn't know why, but UFC president Dana White came out right after Daniel Rodriguez and Kevin Holland talked about fighting each other and said that the press conference wasn't happening due to an altercation backstage. 
Um, reports came out that Kamzat Chimaev, who was supposed to headline the show against longtime UFC welterweight Nate Diaz and Kevin Holland, who went 5-0 in 2020 and recently moved back down to welterweight, got into a scrap backstage. Um, they've been going back and forth in interviews and stuff like that over months. Yeah, apparently there was a just a lot of people involved. Nate Diaz's camp had around 30 people in it. And there were about 15 people with Kamzat Chimaev. Everyone was shoving. Just a lot of crap talking going back and forth. So the press conference was canceled. That happened on a Thursday night. Fast forward about about 12 hours. Reports are coming out that Kamzat's not going to make weight. Kamzat Chimaev ended up coming in at 178.5 pounds. That's a seven and a half pound miss because in non-title fights, the UFC allows you to have one extra pound. Nate Diaz made weight at 171, but Kamzat missed by seven and a half pounds. And Nate Diaz, rightfully so, doesn't want to fight him. Uh, seven and a half is a lot to miss weight by, and they had no problems making weight, so there was no reason to do that. So there was some major shuffling in the main card. What ended up happening was fan favorite and longtime UFC veteran Tony Ferguson stepped in to fight Nate Diaz on Friday. Um, Kamzat Chimaev bumped down to fight Kevin Holland, who was supposed to fight at a catch weight of 180 anyway. So he was right there. And then I believe I'm pronouncing this right. Lee Zhang Li, the leech, um, ended up fighting Daniel Rodriguez, who weighed a significant amount more than him. I believe he was one seven weighed in at 179. But that all happened on Friday. That is some of the biggest shuffling you'll ever see the day before a fight, especially in the main event. Um, and this was a pretty top-heavy card, too. There wasn't too much outside of the main card. Uh, the only notable fight, really, was fan favorite Chris Barnett won via KO over, or TKO, rather, over Jake Collier. Uh, did another trademark front flip celebration. For those of you who don't know, Chris Barnett is a shorter, bigger guy. Um, he's five foot nine. He missed weight too, actually. He came in at 267.5. So he got fined for that, but little man, big weight. And it's always fun to see him win because he does a big front flip right after. Joe Rogan loves it. Everybody loves it. But that was in the prelims to kind of move through the main event. Uh, Johnny Walker finally got in, back into the win column via submission. Um, that's his first submission win in the UFC. It's good to see him win again. He's just kind of been getting the crap kicked out of him. And since I've been in combat sports, I've never seen him win. So good to see him get back into the win column. Uh, Lee Zhang Li got robbed of a decision victory over Daniel Rodriguez. He lost via split decision 28-29, 29-28, and 29-28 in favor of Daniel Rodriguez. Not to discredit Diaz, but the leech kind of got screwed by the judges there. Um, he outboxed him the whole way, kept the pace up. Yeah, I disagree with the judge's decision. Go back and watch the fight and tell me what you think. And in the co-main, uh, Kamzat Chimaev did end up coming away with a victory over Kevin Holland via submission. Just straight up dominated him the whole way. Kevin Holland really couldn't do anything. Kamzat just kept taking him down. He's kind of turned into a villain now, I would say, because of this, especially since he was smiling on the scale after losing weight or after missing weight. And yeah, I would love to see him fight Colby Covington next. I think that that's the fight that the UFC needs to make. I'm sure that they'll give Kamaru Usman another shot at Leon Edwards for the welterweight title. They should do that in Britain. But I think Kamzat Chimaev versus Colby Covington is the fight to make for them. And to cap out our main event, Nate Diaz fought out his UFC contract and defeated Tony Ferguson via guillotine choke in the fourth round. 
two legends. This fight should have happened years ago, for sure, when Tony was at the height of his powers at lightweight and Nate Diaz was ultra-popular after McGregor. But, yeah, Nate Diaz is now officially a free agent. Um, he's said many, many times he plans on returning eventually. He just wants to test free agency. This is something that's never really been done for. Normally what the UFC will do is they'll keep guys until they start really losing. They can't win anymore, and then they'll cut him. But Nate Diaz is still ultra popular. You know, no matter what he does, people will go watch him. Uh, he's got some options. He could fight in another promotion. I don't see him going back to MMA right away, though. Uh, I could see him boxing Jake Paul to try and make a bunch of money. Seems like everybody's trying to do that nowadays. But another good option that I realistically could see him doing is bare knuckle boxing. Mike Perry's brought it up. He said he would like to fight him. For those of you who don't know who Platinum Mike Perry is, he's he's one of the more interesting characters that the sport of MMA has ever seen. Um, he is currently signed to the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. He's in the middleweight division over there, and he is a 15-time UFC fighter. After he fought Daniel Rodriguez in 2021, he left the UFC and signed a contract with Bare Knuckle Fighting, uh, where he's been ever since. So he is currently 2-0 in bare knuckle boxing with his last victory coming on August 20th against Michael Page. Yeah, I think that that's a good option for Nate Diaz. I think that that's something he would like. And he's talked about boxing a lot before. His coaches have talked about him boxing and saying that he enjoys it. So I think that we'll definitely see Nate Diaz in the boxing ring. The real question is, is with or without gloves. And eventually, I do think he will come back to the UFC. I think that they'll give him like a one-off contract to fight Connor for the third time. But for now, I think that Nate Diaz will try and do his own thing for a little bit, make some money, and then go back to the UFC and fight out his uh, last or the trilogy fight with Connor. Other main takeaway I have from UFC 279 is Tony Ferguson's future. After a historic 12-fight win streak, which he should have been given a shot at the real lightweight title. He ended up becoming the interim champion, but for those of you who don't know, his fight with Habib Nurmagomedov fell apart five different times. The UFC tried to book it five different times and it fell apart every time. So it's not really his fault by any means. He was, yeah, just fate truly did not want him to fight for the lightweight title, which sucks. But since his 12-fight win streak, he is now on a five-fight losing streak, um, including a vicious knockout loss at the hands of Michael Chandler last May. Um, my buddies and I actually watched that fight. That was He hung with him in the first round, but then just got caught with a front kick in the first minute of the second round and was over instantly. Straight KO loss, not a TKO. I think he says that he wants to keep fighting, which isn't a bad thing. But realistically, I think that the best thing for Tony Ferguson is probably for the UFC to just give him an easy, easy opponent or like a favorable style matchup. And then hopefully he'll retire after he gets another victory. It's not like he's he's not even really being competitive anymore. You know what I mean? And I love Tony to death. He's one of the fan favorites, a uh, longtime veteran of this game, former Ultimate Fighter winner. But he's just he's just getting his butt kicked every single time. And like I said, I think the UFC should give him a, an opponent that kind of fits his style. He's super dynamic. He can grapple with pretty much anybody. But yeah, I would like to see Tony Ferguson maybe do one more fight to try and get back into the win column and then retire. 
But if he wants to keep fighting, which I definitely could see, so be it. To kind of transition into last weekend, uh, UFC Fight Night Sanhagen versus Song. Corey Sanhagen walked away with a victory over Song Yadong via TKO, via doctor stoppage. Not too much to say about that. I'm a big Corey Sanhagen guy, um, especially after his flying knee knockout of Frankie Edgar. That was pretty sweet. Um, I watched him lose a close decision to TJ Dillashaw last summer, or that would have been, man, that would have been two summers ago now. That's crazy to think about, but he will be back in the Bantamweight title picture soon, I'm sure. Uh, the only other notable fight on this card was Dana White's contender series w- contract winner, Joe Pfeiffer. Um, I watched him fight on the contender series. That was week one of this season, season six. If you guys go, go back and give that fight a YouTube. He was the only guy who got a finish that night and the only one that was awarded a contract as well. And Dana White said, in order to earn a contract on the contender series, be Joe Pfeiffer. Just be Joe Pfeiffer. He was so pumped up, so energetic, very emotional after his victory on the contender series. And rightfully so. He put together a heck of a fight, ended up getting a great stoppage. So it was good to see him win in his UFC debut. And I will be following the career of Joe Pfeiffer as it continues. The last thing of past events, we're going to switch gears a little bit, go into boxing. Uh, Last weekend, Canelo fought Triple G for the third time and won via unanimous decision. I wasn't really surprised with the outcome of this fight. Um, they've That was their 36th total round together. Canelo Alvarez, like I said, unanimous decision, 115, 113, 115, 113, 116, 112. Yeah, I really just think that Canelo's, even after his loss to Dimitri Bevel, he's still one of the best pound-for-pound guys in the world. You know what I mean? The only reason I think he lost to Bebel is because he's dominated super middleweight. Like there's nobody left there that can beat him, in my opinion. And he had to jump up to light heavyweight and try and take on a world champion in that weight class. You know, having to switch weights like that, it's different. It's very different. Your weight cut's different. All that kinds of things. So, yeah, I'm not really surprised. Uh, I think that Canelo should go back down to super middleweight. I don't know who they want to give him next. Um, there's a lot of options. He could go for D- Dimitri Bevel has said that he wants to come down and try and take all of his 168 pound belts, which I could see happening for sure. But there's a lot of things that uh, Eddie Hearn and Matt Room could do with Canelo. And no matter what, he's he's going to put he's going to put on a clinic. He's one of the best pound. For, like I said, he's one of the best pound for pounders in the world. So. Yeah, no matter who they give him, he's going to make it fun. Um, in kind of more some futuristic stuff, uh, Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis have been going back and forth on Twitter. They've been doing it forever. Um, Ryan said that he wanted to move up to, uh, junior welterweight, which is 140 pounds and tank has fought at 140, but he mostly fights at lightweight and junior lightweight, 130 and 135 respectfully. And I think that this fight could be made at 135. I think that this would be a really good fight for boxing, for the sport of boxing. Um, it's very, that's one thing that I don't like about boxing is all the politics behind it can make it difficult to get the fights that fans wants to see. Uh, a great example of this would be Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford fighting each other, but that one, we'll get to that one in a minute, but that fight just never happened for the longest time. Uh, PBC, 
who represents Errol Spence and Top Rank, who used to represent Terrence Crawford. Uh, he departed them about a year ago. Those two promoters don't really get along, which made making the fight super difficult. That's one thing I like about MMA a lot more than boxing is a lot of the times you'll see the fights that fans want to see a lot more. But I think that this would be an outstanding fight. As much as I like Ryan and what he brings to boxing as a whole, I just don't think he's fought anybody like Tank yet. And as much as this kind of hurts me to say, I think that Tank would probably beat him realistically, which again, sucks to say. I'm a big Ryan Garcia guy. Uh, love him or hate him. You can't deny that he brings a young audience to the sport of boxing. And this would be an outstanding fight. But to kind of switch gears a little bit, I brought it up a couple seconds ago. But Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford are finally matched up. This has been a fight that boxing fans have waited for for several, several years. And are finally being rewarded with the matchup of the two top welterweights in the world, which is 147 pounds for those of you who did not know. Barring some small legal language in the agreement, um, they are, have agreed to meet on November 19th in Las Vegas, Nevada. This package includes a bilateral rematch clause for the loser, which means that pretty much the loser can exercise a rematch clause, so they have to fight again. Um, if the rematch clause is triggered, whoever wins the first fight would make back a majority of the revenue for the return bout. Yeah, like I said... Uh, Spence is currently ESPN's number two welterweight and number three pound for pound boxer. And Crawford is ESPN's number one pound for pound and number one welterweight. Like I said, this is a fight that fight fans have needed for a long time. The sport of boxing as a whole has needed for a very long time. I'm very excited that it's finally coming together. Um, I honestly don't know who could win this. I'll probably get into it more as the event gets closer. But like I said, I'm just happy that this fight is finally coming together. And again, super excited to be watching this. This is one that I will probably buy. Uh, shout out to you, Colin. Me and my buddy Colin have talked about buying it already. So very much so looking forward to November 19th. Uh, and then one more event in the future that I will be bringing up during this episode is UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. Um... The main event for this fight is uh, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev for the UFC, the va quote-unquote vacant UFC lightweight title. I think that everybody knows, even in this picture that I'm looking at on ESPN right now, Charles has the belt. Um, he missed weight by half a pound coming in at 155.5 for UFC 274 back on May 7th. Yeah, there's a, Tony Ferguson, like I said, he fought Michael Chandler on that card. He jumped on the scale, and I think that threw off the calibration. Yeah, regardless, Charles Oliveira is the champion in my eyes, and I'm sure pretty much everyone else's eyes. Islam Makachev, close friend of Habib Nurmagomedov. Many of you know, one of the greatest lightweights of all time, retired at 29-0. He is currently 22-1, and and his most recent fight is a knockout victory over Bobby Green. Charles Oliveira, like I said, who's in my eyes is the lightweight champion, but technically is just number one on the pound on the uh, lightweight rankings, is the quote unquote former UFC lightweight champion. Uh, he won the vacant belt after Habib retired, uh, knocked out Michael Chandler, then choked out Dustin Poirier, then choked out one of my personal favorite guys in Justin Gaethje on May 7th. That was his most recent fight. 
And the co-main event for this event is current UFC bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling will be fighting former bantamweight champ TJ Dillashaw. Uh, TJ is coming off of a split decision victory over Corey Sanhagen, like I brought up a little bit ago. Um, he, bef- Prior to that, he was suspended for two years for EPO use, which is a performance enhancer. But after he beat Corey Sanhagen on July 24th, 2021, he was immediately thrust back into the bantamweight title picture and will meet Aljamain Sterling. To round out the main event card, um, Piotr Jan will fight up and rising superstar and one of our favorites here at Hot Take Sports, Sean O'Malley. Uh, Sean's coming off of a no contest after an accidental eye poke versus Pedro Munoz at UFC 276 on July 2nd. Um, this is a huge step for Sean O'Malley. He'd been kind of hand fed opponents by the UFC up until this point. I'm interested to see how this goes. Uh, Piotr Jan is a former UFC Bantamweight champion. Him and Aljamain Sterling have fought twice now. So I'm interested to see how he does versus that step up in competition. Super dynamic striker. Haven't seen too much out of his ground game, but we'll see if his dynamic striking is enough to hold up. Going into the prelims, Balil Muhammad fights Sean Brady. That's the featured prelim of that night. Uh, Balil Muhammad... Should continue his rise. If he keeps winning, he'll get a title shot here within the next couple of years, I'm sure. But the first thing that the UFC needs to do is rematch Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. But undefeated Sean Brady. Let's see if he can keep his streak going. Like I said, feature prelim of UFC 280. We'll go with my picks now. Uh, Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. I'm going to go ahead and go with Sean O'Malley. Like I said, he's one of our personal favorites here at Hot Take Sports. We watched him... On the undercard of Nganu versus Miocic 2. That was the first time me and my buddies had ever really watched him. And he won in super spectacular fashion in the third round. So we'll be pulling for him. Uh, Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. I actually picked Piotr Jan to beat Aljamain Sterling next last time. Uh, and boy was I wrong. So I'm not going to pick against the champion again this time. So I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling over TJ Dillashaw via unanimous decision to retain his belt. And now for the main event, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. I'm done picking against Charles Oliveira. I've picked against Charles Oliveira in all three of his title fights that he's been with now, that he's been in now to defend his belt. And I'm not doing it anymore. This guy has proven to be an outstanding striker. Um, he is the best jiu-jitsu fighter in the UFC right now. I will argue with anybody on that. And I... I really think that this could be a career-defining moment for Charles Oliveira should he get the victory. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Charles Oliveira via rear naked choke in the second round. We'll see if that holds up. Um, and some other related news for MMA. Uh, this one actually happened yesterday. Eddie Alvarez, former UFC and Bellator lightweight champion, recently was released from one fighting championship based out of Singapore. Um, a lot of you probably know Eddie Alvarez as the guy Connor knocked out to become the double champ back in 2016, but he left that promotion one and two with one no contest. Um, he's talked about going into boxing. Like I said, that seems to be a big thing because there's a lot more money in boxing. So good luck to Eddie Alvarez, I guess. And the other big thing was Jose Aldo kind of retired out of nowhere. The King of Rio. Yeah. What, what a career this guy has had. You know, Jose Aldo. He's leaving the UFC as arguably the best featherweight of all time. Ended up 
with seven title defenses of his featherweight belt. And before that, he was the world extreme cage fighting champ. Um, but he's walking away at 36. So that's, that's very sad to see, but we wish him the best of luck in retirement. I'm not sure what he's going to do next. I could see him coming back to fighting maybe eventually, but for right now, enjoy retirement, Jose. You've definitely earned it. And thank you for everything that you've done for the UFC. All right, now we're going to transition to another segment of this episode. This will be the thing that I close out every episode of Combat Talk with called Behind the Cage. Um, this is everything. This is a lot of personal stuff that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. So personal favorite fighters, matchups I would like to see, favorite historical fights, things like that. So for the first one, we're going to go with my top 10 favorite MMA fighters. Um, these are All these guys are currently in MMA. None of them have retired. So let's just jump right into it. At number 10, we have Colby Covington. Now, before you guys start flaming me in the comments, Colby Covington is good for mixed martial arts. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on him. He brings eyes to the sport. He's a former Division I college wrestler, current number one ranked welterweight in the UFC. Like I said, I think him and Kamzat would be a great matchup. But he's known for kind of his professional wrestling style of trash talk. Uh, does he cross the line a lot? Yes. Does everyone who doesn't like him have a right to do so? Yes. But like I said, he brings eyes to the sport. He brings excitement to fight week. And that's something that I really like to see. So at number 10, we have Colby Covington. Um, at number nine, we have Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. Just to get one of the guys that really got me into mixed martial arts. The first real MMA knockout I ever remember watching was his flying knee of then super popular Ben Askren. 2019 was a great year for him. He had the charisma. He had the. You know, the hype within his fights, fought Nate Diaz for the mythical BMF title in New York City. Just an outstanding year, and that's one of the first times I really got exposed to MMA. Like I said, I really didn't become a fan until 2020, but 2019 definitely kick-started that interest. Um, it kind of sucks that he's on a three-fight skid and including is now facing assault charges after his loss to Kobe Covington, sucker-punched him. Hopefully he can get figured that figured out. I would kind of like to see him fight Connor next. I think that that would be a good matchup for him. But we'll see what the UFC ends up doing for him. Like I said, we're not going to see him back in the octagon anytime soon. At number eight, we have the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. How can you not like Derek Lewis? You know, you'll never find a more personable guy during fight week, during his press conferences. He's cracking jokes. He's unintentionally hilarious. And on top of that, this guy is a killing machine. Um, he has the most knockouts in UFC history with 16. Um, I watched him get the record against Chris Dawkins last December. He is just recently coming off of a loss at UFC 277 at the hands of Sergei Pavlovich. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Regardless, though, he got knocked out the first minute of round one. That's That just sucks to see. It's not something that you want to see for a, a guy like Derek Lewis. Um, I don't know what he'll end up doing next. There's a lot of ways that the UFC could go with him. I could see them booking him against the loser of the rumored John Jones versus Stipe Miocic fight. But yeah, Derek Lewis, one of my favorites. Up to number seven, Charles Oliveira. I know I said I picked against him three different times, but it's hard to not appreciate the talent that this guy has. Like I said, he won the belt from Michael Chandler. Everyone said, oh, it's just a fluke. You got dropped in the first round. His next fight was was against super popular Dustin Poirier. Every, no one really gave him a chance, including myself. Choked him out, ended up backpacking him. All right, whatever. 
booked against another one of my personal favorites in Justin Gaethje. All right, he doesn't have the striking to match up with Gaethje. No, he choked him out in the first round. Just an all-around outstanding fighter who's been in the UFC forever and was finally rewarded with the title. I'm super happy for him, and I'm very much so looking forward to UFC 280. Team Charles, for sure. At number six, already talked about him a little bit, but Sean O'Malley, a super dynamic striker. Like I said, he's one of our favorite fighters here on the Hot Take Sports Podcast. Very excited, to again, for UFC 280 to see him fight again. Uh, very disappointed with the results of his fight at UFC 276 with that accidental eye poke. But, you know, those things happen in MMA. I don't think he did it on purpose. But looking forward to see how his career turns out. He's still relatively young, so he's got some time. And I think that Sean O'Malley will be in the title picture very soon. Coming in at number five is Stipe Miocic. Now, all of us are from Ohio. We're all Ohio boys. And Stipe trains and lives in Cleveland. So naturally, he's a guy that I paid attention to ever since my start in MMA. Um, just an all-around great guy. Loves his community. Loves Ohio. Um, very supportive of the Croatian community over there. And one of my personal favorites, the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time with four title defenses. That's the most in UFC history. Um, and Cleveland icon. So big fan of Stipe Miocic and absolutely going to be rooting for him against John Jones, hopefully in November. Coming in at number four is Michael Chandler, a relatively new addition to the UFC. Mike Chandler came onto the scene with a crazy knockout of Dan Hooker in his debut and then got bumped up to that matchup against Charles Oliveira. Like I said, he dropped him in the first round, but ended up getting knocked out in the second. No problem. The UFC booked him against Justin Gaethje in 2021's Fight of the Year. Uh, that was one that I got to watch in person. I was at B-Dubs with some of my friends after a Bowling Green State hockey game. That probably is my favorite MMA fight I've watched in person. That was so much fun. Both the guys just swinging. Both of them were taking it. Both of them had the moments where they looked like they were going to win. And then both of them had their moments where they looked like they were two seconds away from getting knocked out. So very excited for Michael Chandler to fight Dustin Poirier at UFC 281. Team Chandler all the way. And yeah, you're going to dominate Dustin Poirier. Coming in at number three, one of our personal favorite fighters here at Hot Take Sports is Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Um, if those of, if you guys haven't listened to this, please go listen to Hot Take Sports episode 53. Uh, Brian was nice enough to do an interview with us right after his victory over Robbie Lawler at UFC 276. Um, just an all-around great guy, very, very striking heavy style. Uh, the first time I watched him fight was against Matt Brown at UFC Columbus. He ended up beating, and Matt Brown is from Columbus. He ended up winning by split decision. You know, people are booing him. You know, everyone's mad. Matt Brown was the hometown guy and he got beat. But Brian had just this speech that really connected with the people of Columbus, talking about how they were cut from the same cloth. They were both blue collar workers. And no matter what, he appreciated everyone in that arena for coming out. That's really what kind of drew me to Brian Barbarina. That's kind of what made him stick out. Um, and I reached out to him through Instagram and he agreed to do an interview with us. So please go check out Hot Take Sports episode 53 to get to know Brian Barbarina. Um, he's to said in our interview, he's looking to return in November. Um, it's almost October. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we shall see. Brian, no matter what, Hot Take Sports will forever be in your corner. And we are part of the Bam Bam fam for sure. Moving up to number two is my boy, Justin Gaethje. Like I said, I watched him and Michael Chandler throw it down last November, and that was one of my favorite fights of all time. Uh, super striking heavy guy again. He can wrestle. He wrestled in college, but it's mostly defensive. 
Uh, no matter what, this guy gives exciting fights. That's why his nickname is The Highlight. When he's winning, he's just kicking the crap out of whoever he's fighting. When he's losing, he's just getting the crap kicked out of him. Like, look at the Poirier fight. He was just taking an unbelievable amount of damage there. But he's also one of the nicest characters in MMA right now. Uh, that's great for his fan appeal. And like I said, he is a super exciting fighter. You'll never see a boring Justin Gaethje fight. So very much so looking forward to when he gets booked next. And coming in at number one, my boy, Max Blessed Holloway. Max Holloway is one of the big reasons that I got into this sport. Um, I wasn't super into it when he fought Volkanovski for the second time, lost via split decision. But when he came back in January, that was on a Wednesday. I was a senior in high school. The fights were on, I think they were on ABC. And um, it's before basketball practice I'm watching. And I watched this guy, this featherweight, you know, wings on his back, just absolutely dominating Calvin Cater for five rounds. It's close to the end of the fifth. You know, the commentators are talking about He's throwing the most significant strikes in one fight in MMA history. His output is insane. And when he looked over to the cage side commentators and said, I'm the best boxer in the UFC, landed a right hand, dodged all of Calvin Cater's punches, and then walked away. That is one of the coldest moments I think this sport has ever seen. It was so cool to be able to experience that in person. Very, very, very big fan of Max Holloway. Watched his fight against Yair Rodriguez. Once again, another banger. Just out there throwing haymakers, taking punches. Um, very disappointed with the results of UFC 276. Um, Volkanovski is a pound for pound great, in my opinion. There, yeah, there just wasn't much Max could do there. There's a lot of ways he could go. He could try and stay at featherweight, but I feel like he's just going to kind of end up like Colby Covington and be stuck at the number one contender spot forever if he does. I could see him moving up to lightweight. I would love to watch him and Michael Chandler fight at lightweight. I think that would be a great matchup. Or Dustin Poirier again. They fought once already, but I think that Max should move up to lightweight, and I'm looking forward to his return. So there you have it. That's my top 10 favorite MMA fighters list. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. And this concludes episode one of Combat Talk. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, this is my first attempt, so let me know how I did. Make sure to follow Hot Take Sports on all of our social medias at Hot Take Sports 16 and follow my personal Instagram as well at c.scalina12. This podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. Um, SeatGeek is an app that allows you to purchase tickets for any different event that requires tickets, such as sporting events or concerts. If you use code HTS, that's capital HTS, S at checkout, you will receive $20 off of your first order. Once again, SeatGeek code HTS for $20 off of your first order. Thank you guys for listening to my first episode of Combat Talk, and I'll see you next time.